you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined by my guy Raheem Palmer, professional better. We're going to break down the MVP race as the All-Star break is over. We have about 23 games remaining in the NBA season. It is not the second half of the season, as people talk about. That is ludicrous. We have basically a quarter left of the season, so much of this has been decided. Raheem has an entire projection system that he has built for the MVP conversation that he has used to try and predict who will win the award. We're going to talk about the ins and outs of that, but you can read the results of the award or of the projections rather over at Action Network and on the Action Network app, which is the best way for you to track your picks, get up to the second information on where the bets are coming in, where the money's coming in, as well as all of Raheem's picks are in there. Uh, Futures, you can track your futures, all sorts of stuff. Check it out in the Action Network app. Okay, Raheem, let's go ahead and start here. When we look at the odds for MVP this season, uh, Joel Embiid has coalesced as the consensus favorite, which is really interesting. He is currently, if I look at DraftKings, he is plus 130. Nicole Jokic is plus 290. Giannis Compo is plus 400. You can find various values on these guys at various books. Make sure you shop around. You can also find those information in the Action Network app is a good way to, for you to guide where it's coming at. Let's start here. So Joel has the best record of the three top candidates. He won the latest straw poll from ESPN, albeit close. And I want to talk about the results of that here in a minute. He's leading the league in scoring, which is obviously like a really big deal. Everybody likes points per game. I was surprised because I would have thought that your model would have liked Embiid. I would have thought that your model would have been like, oh, Embiid looks like he's going to get a top three seed. Embiid looks, he's going to have the most wins. He's going to have the most points. I would have thought that Embiid would have projected out better in your model. Why didn't Embiid get a bigger push, do you think, in your model? When you look at all the advanced numbers, like I have like win shares, I have Vort. I don't think I even have Per in there. Jokic is dominating in everything. Like he's literally dominating Embiid in every statistical category that you could possibly be dominating him in, except for points. So it's just like even you look at Giannis. Giannis is actually dominating Embiid as well. So that actually shocked me um, as well. So... I just think it's it's giving him the edge based on those advanced numbers and and be just, it's just he's just not measuring up, unfortunately. So it's interesting in that, like you look at it, you look at this from any sort of perspective on paper. And this is not a competition. What's going to be tough about this entire thing 
is typically winning matters. Like winning matters a ton in the MVP conversation. Like you've got to win games. I think that's fair. As somebody that studies yeah. this more than anybody, anything else I do, more than anything else I, I do, um, I study MVP. Winning has always mattered, and I think it should matter. What the thing I always say is the point of professional sports is money. The second point of professional sports is winning. Like that's the whole point. It's like you compete at a high level to try and win these games. However, the Sixers are 35 and 23. The Nuggets are 33 and 25, where, where we sit right now. So we're talking about a difference of two games. The Nuggets are two games back. So the question is, you know, the Sixers are not the, the one seed. They're the three seed. The Nuggets are the six seed. But in the Western Conference, uh, that's still pretty good. They would be the fifth seed in, or they'd still be in six. No, they'd still be in six in the, in the, um, in the East. That gap between those two is, is small. And it's small enough to where if you get to a place where you're like, I think one to two games is fine. I think one to two games, and that's okay. If you get to that spot, I think that you are then like, there is no argument for Embiid over Jokic. Jokic, yeah. Jokic's, his production, when you factor it, if you're, the only argument I can really make for Embiid, the thing that I say all the time with, for fans and for, because voters will ask me about how to sell things as well. Like they will, they will be like, hey, what do you think? And what I would say is you got to have a paradigm. Like you have to have a thought process. You have to have a structure of how you approach the award. And it doesn't have to be one that like is unassailable. It just has to be one that you feel comfortable with. If the, if your argument for Embiid is he's the leading scorer in the league for the team with the best record amongst the three qualified candidates. Like, I think if you say like, I only think these three guys can win it. Right. It's interesting because then you're, then I would be like, why? Okay. If winning matters, then why isn't DeMar DeRozan or Chris Paul on there? Which I want to talk about, yeah. about the, both those guys with you. But okay, you say, but no, like you have to have the production that these three guys have. Okay. But Jokic's production is better even with the with the points gap, especially when you factor for pace. Like that's a big deal in this conversation. Is that when you look at these three teams, the Nuggets play at such a slow ass pace that Jokic's numbers are are a little stunted by that. If you do this per 100 possessions and people get sometimes people get nervous when you do the 100 possessions. But what I try and just say is like pace adjusted. If you just factor for how fast these teams play, you know, Embiid is still leading the pack at 45 points per game per per 100 possessions. Right. Crazy numbers. But Jokic goes up to 38.9 points, 20.6 rebounds per 100 possessions and 11.8 assists. Like it's a ridiculous amount of production. Even when you even when you don't factor in per hundred possessions and B is taking the most field goal attempts out of all of those yeah. guys. I mean, Jokic is at 26 points a game. Giannis is at 29.4 points a game and then B's leading the league in scoring, but he's taking two more field goal attempts than Jokic and he's taking one more field goal attempt than Giannis. And I think one of the reasons why my model actually likes Giannis and Jokic over MB is that MB is only shooting 49% from the field, which is pretty low for a center. So it's like when you look at all the numbers, Shaquille O'Neal, when you look at all the guys who won MVP from the center position, that's not adding up. So like Yoke is just shooting 57%. So it's just like it's seeing that and it's, it's saying, you know what, this guy's he's exceeding what we've seen from MVP candidate. This is an interesting one. Uh, this is team record when the 
candidate plays versus teams with a 60% win percentage or better. And so if you're asking like, what does this matter? The answer would be like, how do these guys perform in big games? Right. And their yeah. teams do well. I'll say this. Um, Embiid is nine and four in those situations. Jokic mm-hmm. is nine and six. Giannis is only six and seven. Curry's 11 and four. CP3 is 10 and three, which is ridiculous. John Morant's nine and five. DeRozan's only eight and 11. Like that's where you start to see like, oh, the Bulls may have like a cap here um, in their performance versus those top teams. Uh, you said in the article, not to spoiler alert it, but spoiler alert, you, you say that Jokic has the best value here for MVP. If Jokic and the Nuggets do not pass the Sixers in wins, does, do you think, does your model think that Jokic wins it? I mean, right now, like, I, I, like my model thinks that he's going to win just because I think my model thinks Jokic is the superior player this year. Right. But when I look at the landscape of the voting, I don't think the Nuggets are going to win if they can't pass the Sixers. Unless if James Harden comes in and Embiid's stats drop, then I think Jokic has a shot. The problem with that is like, I think we're so far into the season now that I'm not sure the number of games is going to be enough for it to really drop his total, especially because the Sixers are going to arrest him. Like they're going to arrest it. They're going to keep resting Embiid on certain nights, which yeah, like that to me feels kind of notable that they, you know, Jokic's availability is a big deal here. He missed some time and they were absolutely atrocious the number one stat that I, I try and look at for team performance, I always look at what is your on-court net rating? Like, that's what I want to know is like, what's the on-court net rating, which is, you know, people will be like, well, on off is so complicated. Okay. But I want to know like, how good is your team when you're on the court? Like, yeah. how good are you? How good is your team when you're on the floor? How much do you beat teams by? Jokic is at plus 10.1. Embiid's at plus seven. The Nuggets beat their opponent by more when Jokic is on the court. That to me is like a huge determining factor here. Um, I try not to get into the on-off splits. And the reason I say that is it is not Joel Embiid's fault that Nikola Jokic has a shitty bench. Like that's just not Embiid's, like Embiid shouldn't be punished because the Nuggets couldn't put together a good bench unit for them this season, right? Like they knew, they made a lot of tactical errors. They didn't sign a bigger guard. They did have P.J. Dozier, and he got hurt. They lost MPJ. Both those things factored in. But again, Embiid's not responsible for that, right? Yeah. I don't really care about the Simmons argument either. Like, I don't want to be – I don't want to hear about, like, what Embiid's been without an all-star all season. Okay, well, one, they knew that was going in. And two, like, again, I care about, like, how much do you raise the tide? And the answer is that, like, Jokic has raised the tide higher than Embiid. Like, that's just what's happened. And it really just comes down to Embiid does look more dominant when we're talking about these two, and I want to talk about some of the other candidates with you as well, but when we're talking about these two, and this factors into your model too, um, I'll, I'll start with this question. We'll get into the straw poll. How much do you think that the changing trends, or even if they're not permanently changing, just the time period we're in with so many injuries, COVID impacting things, it's been a weird couple of years, but we've also seen deviations from historical models, right? Like this is where I, I yeah. we, you and I talk about this a lot on the show and with Brandon as well, where I'm like, I don't know how much we should rely on precedent. 
And the yeah. reason I say that is the voting block has changed dramatically. The NBA basically went through and they weeded out a bunch of people. They got rid of local broadcasters. That's one that they were just like, let's not have team employees voting. Um, yeah. They added more analysts and more internet, like I wouldn't say influencers, but like content providers. There's now like mm. a, bu- a bunch of different chunks of who the voting block is. There's studio hosts and there's, um, you know, guys like, I think you know, one of the guys like Richard Jefferson or Kendrick Perkins will probably have a vote. You have like the talking heads. So like one of the guys from Fox will probably get a vote. Um, and then you have guys like Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton, right? Very detailed analysts. The guys at the rear will get a lot of votes. And those guys are very discerning. So you had this shift, I think, in terms of, of that. How much do you think that the historical precedent weighs in right now? Because you've talked a lot in the past about how much seating matters. And I think we're getting like, there's a good chance that the MVP again does not have a top two seed this season. Yeah, I think we're moving away from that. And I think it's pretty clear, like, like in this article, I have two different models. So I have a linear regression model where actually predicts the amount of voting shares. And then I have a logistic regression model, which predicts the probability. And for whatever reason, a logistic regression model, which predicts the probability, it relies heavily on seeding. And it's totally inaccurate for based based on what we see in the market right now. Like the logistic regression model actually thinks Chris Paul has the highest chance of winning. <laughs> so that tells you how much we've deviated from things. And you saw the same last year. So I think things are really shifting. And I also think the fact that we have more advanced metrics, the fact that we have, I think people are getting smart. I think people are, we're not just relying just on wins. We're relying on VORP, BPM. We're relying on, we, we have more tape. I think guys are watching more games now. So I think we're able to just be a little bit more granular when it comes to determining what stats matter. So I think it's, it's, it's kind of a thing of the past. I think you can be a top four, five, six seed. And if you're playing that well, then you have a shot. You look at Steph Curry last year. I think Steph Curry, what was he, second in MVP voting? didn't have a, a top two seed. So like, I think things are changing, definitely shifting in that regard. One thing I think that is really interesting is um, first place votes are always going to matter the most, but that's just, they, they're mm-hmm. worth 10 points. Right. And so they matter a whole, a whole bunch. Um, the gap between Jokic and Embiid was two votes for first place. Okay. This is, I did want to talk about this because uh, this is uncharted mm-hmm. territory and I'll, I'll talk about why. Now, look, the, the, the media members that Bontemps polled will not be the Tim Bontemps over at ESPN will not be the actual media panel. Like, for instance, I was one of the voters. I was asked to participate in it. And like, there will be other people that just won't like there will be people that Tim didn't reach out to or contact that that didn't reply in this that will vote in this. So it's not necessarily indicative. But this is what I do think is interesting. So MB was at 789 and Jokic was at 780 at, at 754. Right. So that's a gap of 35. If you flip it and you switch those two votes. Right. So let's make mm-hmm. it um, let's make it 44, 44. OK, let's take one away from each. That drops MB down to 779 and then Jokic would still be at 764. So they would tie in the number of first place votes. But then Embiid still wins. And the reason for that is that. Uh, the combined first and second place for Embiid, he got uh, 83 combined first and second place votes. Jokic got 
uh, 82. But then third place votes, Embiid got 12 and Jokic got eight. And then from there, like, it's pretty even distribution here. But what's interesting is just like, the reason I'm, what I'm trying to get to here is we've never seen an MVP decided on anything but first place votes. Not in the history of the award has anything like whoever got the, the most first place votes win. And they do it for a reason that way, right? Like 10 points is worth it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying that for the first time that I can remember with where we're at in the season, I think it's possible that we have a winner decided by who gets more supporting votes. Like I could see Jokic finishing with more first place votes, but fewer third through fifth and wind up getting excluded because of the resistance to him. The thing that actually stands out to me is that these two actually have a game on March the 14th. How much does that game have an impact? Because I I do believe we kind of have a precedent for that. There was a, Back in 2008, I think the Lakers played the, the Hornets like late in the season and the Lakers ended up winning that game. And I think a lot of those votes went to Kobe. So do you think that game is going to have like a huge impact on how people see these two? I do. Yeah, we're doing this MVP podcast on, on betting, right? Like who should mm-hmm. you bet for MVP? I, I think my best advice to you is you should wait until after that game because mm-hmm. If Embiid goes out and Embiid is more likely mm-hmm. to take that game seriously and at a different level than Jokic, just with the way that he's wired. Jokic did not care about winning MVP last year. That, that's not just like superstar branding for humility. Jokic mm-hmm. genuinely does not care about these things. They're an annoyance to him that he gets asked about them and has to like discuss it. He doesn't like talking about himself. That's really is like how he is. Um, I don't know if you know this. Joel Embiid likes talking about himself and how great he is. That's a that's definitely a thing. And look, that's part of the appeal for him. I think with the voters is that Embiid feels like a superstar. Jokic feels like a really good player, and that de- that gap between the two I think factors into their perceptions uh, among people and amongst the voting block. But if Embiid goes out and is just like, I'm going to truck this dude and I'm going to drop 42 points. And the Nuggets can't do anything to, to stop him and they can't figure out the rotations because their defense isn't that good and all those type of things. And Jokic just has like a pretty good game. And he has like, you know, he, he finishes like a 22, uh, 11, eight night, but then the Sixers get the win. And will have done massive damage in that game to Jokic's yeah. MVP case. I don't think that that's how it should be treated. I don't think that that should factor in. I think that's a very poor way of looking at the regular season and how the NBA operates. But I do think that that will wind up being a big factor. Like, I think you, if you want to bet Embiid, you need to vote, you need to bet on him before that game and you need to believe that he will win that game. And if you want to bet on Jokic, you probably want to wait to see if if he can win that game. Now, if it's the opposite, and the Nuggets drop Philly and Jokic goes for like a 30 point triple double, right? And Embiid just has like a pretty good night where he shoots a lot. Then I think that that does, it doesn't hurt Embiid the same way that Jokic losing would. Again, we're right back to where yeah. we were last year where the bar is much higher for Jokic. It just, yeah. it's not fair, but it is. And so, yeah, like I think that that matchup is going to wind up mattering like a ton in the MVP discussion. Have you bet MVP yet? I bet MVP yet. Um, I do think there's some value on Jokic at, at plus 
270 just because I just think to me, it feels like a two man race between those two, unless Giannis completely turns it on, but I haven't bet MVP yet. So a reason why, again, I think this season is going to be different. We talked about how close this battle is. Right. And I think if, if the bucks go on a run, which we both think is possible, but unlikely given like their motivations, then Giannis can, can headbutt his way into this conversation as well. So bef- during the shutdown in 2020, I looked at this and it's, it's, this was a, a fascinating stat to me. Um, so one of the things that happened in 1980, the NBA converted its vote from players to media. That's when they took the vote away from the players and gave it to the media. And mm-hmm. what they saw happen is the vote homogenized. And what I mean by that is before you just had player like a bunch of the players don't agree on anything. So they would be like this guy and that guy, and like it would be kind of all over the place. And you're talking about a much smaller sample because they wouldn't pull as many players in uh, nowadays, this is crazy. Since 2009, and this happened again last year, every MVP award winner has held 89% or higher of the highest possible vote total. Like, they, they get up to at least 89% of how many points you can act, actually get. And the total point gap has not been below double digits since 2005. Um, Take 2017, right? We remember how close 2017 was. It was like one of the most hotly contested that we've seen in league history with Russell Westbrook versus James Harden, LeBron James, and Kawhi Leonard. Four serious candidates, lots of of various factors. Russ won with 135 points. He won by 135 points with 93% of the possible vote total. He got 93% of how many votes he could max out at even in that season. And what we're looking at here is like a dramatic difference between that with the the latest straw poll. That's how up in the air this is, which means that there's still value. That's why the odds are so close. Right. And that probably means that there is value, I think on the underdogs here. Um, Yeah. What is your model think? Well, let's talk about this real quickly. What is your model think? (laughs) Who do you, who's your model think has the best chance outside of uh, the top three Giannis, Jokic and Embiid. Who's the next highest? Because I know the number one is Chris Paul. And actually has DeMar DeRozan. The linear regression model, which predicts MVP voting share, it has Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, DeRozan, Paul, and then Curry in that order. So DeMar DeRozan is currently at points bet plus 2,500 to win uh, MVP as, as kind of a sign of where he's at. Um. Let me ask you this, though. Look, if if the, the Bulls finish with the number one seed in the conference, a, a number one seed, why why do we not think DeRozan will win? Like, I know Zach Lowe is going to be looking at, like, all the advanced numbers. Yeah. But it's a guy like um, Mark Jackson. Is he going to be looking at per? Is he going to be looking at BPM? I don't think he is. No. So, like, I, I think he could get a – I think he can get a vote from a guy like him. Yeah. So if the Bulls finish off the number one seed, especially when you have the injuries to Lonzo, the injuries to Alex Caruso, even Zach Levine's been banged up. I just have trouble believing that he's going to get it over a guy like Embiid. DeMar got zero first place votes in the straw poll. He got 15 fourth place votes and 16 fifth place votes. I really want to book to open up win share, MVP win share betting. I want to be able to vote. I want to be able to bet on the over under of how many points that they're going to get or how many first place votes they're going to get. I definitely want to be able to do that, but 
uh, probably not fair, honestly, for me too, um, which is why they won't put that book that 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 on the board. Um, to be able to see, I would love to be able to see who voted for what in the straw poll. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a straw poll, and the the reason that it's treated as a straw poll is from a voting perspective, you're comfortable being like, "This is where I'm at right now," but you don't want to put your name on it until you're like, "No, no, no I, I like when I'm ready, I'll yeah. vote." Like. I want the whole season to vote. So many people like want to know. And usually I'll say like, you don't need the whole season. Usually I'd be like, no, no, no. You could say right now who the MVP is. Can't say it this year. We got to see this last stretch. If the Nuggets finish with a better record than either of the other two, like I'll say this, whoever finishes with the best record of the three, I do think winds up winning it. I I have a hard time seeing, unless it's like a game, you know, if it's, if it's the Sixers are, you know, a 48 win team, and the Nuggets are a 47 win team. Okay. Or if the, if the Sixers are a 51 win team and the Nuggets are a 50 win team, then I do think yeah. like, okay, yeah, that's probably a gap that Jokic can overcome, but this one's going to be, it's going to be close, which does make, I think the, the betting on it pretty fraught. I think it makes it really tough. Um, last thing I think is I want to talk about one more stat, uh, which I don't think you've, have you included EPM in your estimations yet, by the way? I need to do that next year. I'm, I'm actually interested in that. But the thing w- with that is that they wouldn't have that for some of the older um, MVP stuff. True, true. So EPM is over at dunksandthrees.com. And this is like my go-to site for almost everything these days. It's just got great advanced metrics. What I like about this one is um, the EPM, it, it's estimated um, plus minus. And there's estimated wins on here too. Like how many wins do you, do you help? Jokic is... is the gap between him and Giannis, who's second, is 1.5. Um, that's the same as the gap between Giannis and uh, one, two, three, four, five, sixth place Chris Paul. Like, that's how big the gap is. And if you're asking, like, why do I care about this? Um, in 2014, right, uh, which is when Kevin Durant won, Kevin Durant was third. In 2015, when Steph Curry won, he was first. 2016, when Steph won, he was first. In 2017, when Russ won, uh, he was fifth. Uh, 2018, Harden was first. 2019, Giannis was fourth. 2020, Giannis was first. And 2021, Jokic was first. Like, you have to be top five. And I mean, you don't have to be. There is a strong correlation, not causation, but strong correlation between being top five in EPM Mm -hmm. and this one. And it is very rare that a player that does not that like that player gets outvoted by a guy beneath him. It's rare. It's happened. But of most mm-hmm. of the times, like it, the correlation between it has been very, very strong. And Jokic's domination of these things. I'll also say this just as, like as a closing kind of thing on this, everyone kind of wants to use the advanced metrics as some sort of magic or wizardry, or that it doesn't really make sense. Go, fine. You want to use the eye test, go watch the Denver Nuggets. And pay attention to whether or not, like how the team is doing when Jokic is on the floor versus how he's doing when he's on, when he's not on the court. And again, it doesn't matter how they're not doing. Just watch how, how well they play and how good he is at everything. He's more efficient yeah. than Joel Embiid shooting. He's a, he's the best passing big man that we've ever seen in the league. He's an in, insane rebounder this year. He's been absolutely insane on the rebounding end. And he has uh, three game-winning blocks this season. His defense has been yeah. better than ever. That used to be the knock on him. Um, my last question for you is, there is, why do you think, I'm really interested in your question on this, because like, you're a dude that's been watching the game a long time, and you love guys like yeah. AI and Kobe, like Hoopers Hoopers. Yeah. I want you to be real. 
LeBron James last year was like, they're going to give it to Jokic, but we're not ready to talk about that when he was saying Steph was the MVP. Why don't people want to give Jokic the MVP? Nikola Jokic and Steph Curry is like, they're very similar. They're not imposing. They just don't look the part. Like there's still people who want to deny that Steph Curry is a top five, top 10 player just because of the way he looks. And I think Jokic has that. And he's also, also a European white guy. So it's just people being prejudiced and he doesn't look imposing. He's not flashy. He's not athletic. Like me and my friends, We've been like, we have the hashtag anybody but Jokic. And it's kind of like we're just pointing fun of all the people who just don't want to vote for Jokic and, and, and respect the fact that he is probably the best player in the league. Like, I'll give you an example. Last year during game six of the Blazers Nuggets series, the Nuggets closed as five point underdogs against that Blazers team. And just about everybody in action picked against the Nuggets. I didn't. I took the Nuggets. I took a money line. I took them plus five. And I hate the victory lap. But for me, it's just like I'm looking at it like, yo, Jokic is the best player in this game. If you look at LeBron James, and he was a five-point underdog against anybody, you wouldn't say, I'm taking the other team. And I said it after the game. And I'm like, yo, we need to be looking at Nikola Jokic the same way we look at LeBron James or the same way we look at Kawhi Leonard. I'm not betting against that guy. And, and, and people still don't do it. So I just think it's people are just looking at the way he looks and they're not really recognizing who he is. Like, to be honest, Kyrie is almost like, like the inverse of Nikola Jokic. Like people look at Kyrie and they like the way he plays, but he doesn't have that much of an impact. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it's all aesthetics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the way I've kind of described it is, is how do you shape the game? Nikola yeah. Jokic shapes the game in a way that very few players in the NBA do. And he still, for whatever reason, there's hesitance against him. We'll see if he can pull off a second MVP, despite no one wanting to vote for him. You can follow more coverage of Raheem Palmer's NBA MVP projections as well as all of my analysis. I'll be starting uh, starting in March. March 1st is when I'm, I have it on my calendar. I'm going to watch every single possession from these guys, every single possession on both ends of the floor to get you all the ins and outs. And we'll study everything and we'll make the absolute case for who should win MVP as well as we'll give you the best information on who's going to win based off of the voters' uh, indications. We'll do all that at Action Network. Until then, make sure to give us those five-star reviews. Subscribe to the Action Network YouTube channel. we got lots of great content coming up on there as well as clips from these shows and more. Uh, download the Action Network app for all your up-to-date information. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow with an NBA Championship Tears episode of the Happy Hour with me and Brandon Anderson. We'll see you guys again tomorrow on Buckets.